0: Today, the Supreme Court made a momentous decision, one that has significant implications for the rule of law in this country. At 5 p.m. Eastern this afternoon, the Supreme Court agreed to take up former President Trump's claims of presidential immunity. These are not credible claims. That has been thoroughly litigated in both federal district court and federal appellate court. By merely deciding to do this, though, setting aside whatever the court's final ruling is, the court has essentially upended the attempt to hold Donald Trump accountable for his actions to subvert democracy. In fact, the court may have ended that attempt entirely. This decision is also certain to reshape the 2024 presidential race, and it will likely play a determinative role in its outcome. But as much as the significance of this ruling is already apparent, the full consequences here Hinge on the timing. Now, in its ruling tonight, the court said it would hear oral arguments in the case the week of April 22nd. Now, April 22nd is not close to today, and we'll get into why exactly the court didn't choose a date that is a lot sooner than that. But April 22nd, also on its face, sort of seems pretty far from the November election. It's not. Because when you start crunching the numbers and looking at how a trial could actually time out after the Supreme Court makes its decision here, the window in which Trump could face trial, the window for that happening before the November election is incredibly small. The first thing you have to take into account is that the prep time that the judge who is overseeing this case, Judge Tanya Chutkin, the prep time she allotted for Trump and his lawyers has been effectively stalled. Judge Chutkin initially gave Donald Trump and his legal team seven months to prepare for this case, from the day he was indicted to the original trial date in March. Back in December, on December 7th, Trump's legal team asked for a pause, a stay in this case, while Trump's immunity claims were appealed, and Judge Chutkin granted it. And that pause didn't just freeze the case, it also paused all the prep time as well. Trump's team still had 88 days left to prepare before the case was paused and the expectation now is that they would still get those 88 days or something similar to prep when this case is unpaused so that's point number one even if the supreme court rules this case can go forward the day after they hear oral arguments the trial can't just start right away trump's team would get another 88 days Now, point number two is about how long the trial would actually take. Last year, before the case had been paused, potential jurors for the case in the D.C. area received this pre-screening form. You see it right there on the screen. And it specified the trial would last approximately three months after jury selection is completed. And Special Counsel Jack Smith and Judge Chutkin have also signaled we are looking at something like a three-month trial for this. So just to ballpark this really quickly, let's assume 88 days for Trump's team to finish their prep before the trial. And then let's assume that the three months needed for the trial itself is a nice round 90 days. And that comes out to 178 days. That is how long it would take for this trial to actually conclude after we get a decision back from the Supreme Court. So let's go back to the calendar. The election is November 5th. An oral argument on Trump's presidential immunity claims at the Supreme Court is set for the week of April 22nd. This would be the fastest possible scenario here as everything stands at present. The Supreme Court meets Monday, April 22nd and they make a decision the next day, Tuesday, April 23rd. If we add 178 days to Tuesday, April 23rd, that would mean the trial would finish on Wednesday, October 16th, 20 days before the general election. That is what we are working with here in the best case scenario. Joining me now is Neil Katyal, former acting solicitor general of the United States and under President Obama, and Dahlia Lithwick, senior editor at Slate covering the courts. Thank you both for being here tonight. Um, I just first want to start with your reaction to the court's decision here, Neil. Um, and your level of optimism about this trial actually happening before the election?
1: Yeah, I have a lot of institutional respect, Alex, for the Supreme Court. I was there this morning um, uh, with my team arguing a different case, uh, and yet I find myself gravely concerned by this decision by the Supreme Court to hear the case and wait until April, gravely concerned for the rule of law. I mean, Donald Trump has a bogus legal argument here, and the Supreme Court is spending precious months trying to hear it. And the court's known for a lot of things and certainly efficiency is not one of them. And I think the best that can be said is they've left a schedule that leaves everyone a bit unhappy. It's too fast for Donald Trump, but too slow for Jack Smith. And creates far too much uncertainty about the preservation of rule of law and the outcome. Um, you know, later we can talk about those dates—178 days and 90 and 88 days. I think there is still a strong possibility that the case could be heard, the case could be tried against Donald Trump before the election, and I can go into detail um, later about that. But I certainly think um, right now I am concerned.
0: Yeah, and I want to talk about the mechanisms by which uh, both the DOJ, special counsel uh, and Judge Chutkin might sort of try and shorten that 178 days. But first, Dalia, you know, Neil raises a point that is it in, in the world of possibility that the Supreme Court thinks it's somehow reaching a compromise decision here by having this on a timeline that's faster than Trump wants, which is next February, and uh, slower than Jack Smith would like, which would have been, of course, in March.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think we were hoping, you know, a week ago or two weeks ago that the compromise was that Trump might prevail in the Colorado case and lose absolutely in this immunity case. That was supposed to be the grand bargain. Right now, we're doing a we're we're sort of doing a Zeno's paradox where we're taking smaller and smaller halves of what we thought might be a win. I think that the real issue for me, and Neil just made this point, is that you know the court knows how to act quickly when it needs to. And it certainly acted very quickly in that Colorado, um, you know, bumping them off the ballot case. In fact, it acted much more quickly. So I think one of the things that worries me about this case is the sense that the court tells us what an emergency is, and it's done that in case after case over the last couple of years, doesn't seem to feel that there's any emergency or any exigent kind of shot clock going on here. And for those of us who are doing the math that you're doing and that Neil's doing that's trying to eke out some kind of case on the merits before the election, what the court did today was sort of events almost no concern for the fact that it's kind of democracy itself against this shot clock. And they seem to be bothered by neither of those axes.
0: Neil, to Dahlia's point, if, if the Supreme Court doesn't even see the shot clock, Judge Chutkin does and the special counsel does. So you mentioned that there might be ways to shorten the timeframe of 178 days. First, let's just start with what Judge Chutkin might be able to do. Is there a way to narrow, I don't know, the prep time window, the 88 days that Trump and his defense team are due once the case is returned to her? Assuming, of course, that the Supreme Court does not rule in Trump's favor on the immunity claim.
1: Yeah. So even before we get to, Tr- to Judge Chutkin, the question is, when is the court going to decide the case? And I think Dahlia makes such an important point in saying, look, this is a court that moves quickly. For example, I was a lawyer in Bush versus Gore. That was at 36 days start to finish. Um, and I remember the first case at the Supreme Court, we had like four days to brief it. So we've gone from four to like 40 in this supposedly expedited case. So that does concern me. Having said that, I do think the court, you know, and I hope they listen to the pressure of the American public to decide this thing quickly um, after they hear the case on April 22nd. Now, Judge Chutkin in the interim does have some options. So she said she was going to give Donald Trump 88 days to prepare for his trial. But she said that well before Trump, you know, had had the Supreme Court grant his immunity case. And Trump can and his lawyers can walk and chew gum at the same time. They don't need all of those 88 days. And so Judge Shutkin could even now say, look, if this case comes back to me, Donald Trump, you should start working now because you're not going to get the full 88 days. That was in a world in which you didn't have months and months of pre-existing delay like you do now.
0: Um, Dahlia, in addition to the prep time that she could shrink, is there something that Jack Smith can do? I know Andrew Weissman had suggested maybe they trim the sort of charges against Trump. Do you think that that's at all likely? And and if it is, what might be taken out?
2: I mean, I think, you know, in some sense, Jack Smith has doggedly made the case time after time to the court that you've got to do this more quickly. And in some sense, uh, as we've said, we've had a little bit of a split the baby today where he doesn't get what he wants, but Donald Trump doesn't get what he wants. Whether he can, I don't know, sort of hive off some of this, make it a tighter. This was a pretty tight case as compared to the Bonnie Willis, you know, sprawling case in, in uh, Fulton County. This was a pretty tight case. I suppose there's a way to tighten it, but I think the real thing we have to ask ourselves is, you know, are we gonna wait for weeks and weeks and weeks for somebody to write, say, a dissent in this case, at the Supreme Court, and then it's coming down at the end of June. So I think what I worry about more than anything is that no matter what Judge Chutkin or Jack Smith can do, if you have four votes at the Supreme Court or three votes that want to do the run out the clock play, I think that they can kind of keep this thing stalled for much, much longer than need be.
0: Do you read, Neil to Dolly's point, anything — I mean, the, f- the fact that they don't seem to be working expeditiously and they know how to work quickly when they want to, I mean, do you read anything in that in terms of how, fa- how much they're going to favor Trump in all of this? It seems clear that they understand the political reality here. I mean, how could you not? Do you think that suggests yeah, so- they might actually find in his favor on these ludicrous claims of presidential immunity?
1: No, Alex, because they are so ludicrous. No, I do not expect uh, any justices uh, to side with Donald Trump on the merits of this claim. It's crazy. And he even said so. His lawyers, back when he was being impeached uh, after January 6th, he says, you can't impeach me. The only remedy is to indict me after I leave office. So that's exactly what Jack Smith did. And now he's complaining and saying, oh, you can't indict me because I have absolute immunity. It's all been a long long shell game and i take Dahlia's point about the court and maybe a dissent or something like that but i think that when the court hears this case and realizes just how bogus Donald Trump's claims are, they'll decide it quickly. And even if there's a dissent, the chief justice has the power or whomever's in the majority to release the majority opinion without waiting for the dissent. And in a case like this, with the American public deserving so much of answers about what happened on January 6th and a formal trial to get to the bottom of it, I I sure hope that's what will happen once we get there.
0: Yeah, I mean, to the to the. To the rulings that have preceded this case, the Supreme Court taking it up, Dahlia, I mean, the, the the appellate court ruling was, as I think you called it a bench slap. Like, there was no room for entertaining any legality in Trump's argument, and yet the Supreme Court has taken it up. And I, and I would imagine, if you're sitting on the, the Circuit Court of Appeals and you're one of the judges that took your time to write a very thoughtful, wide-ranging opinion about how this thing did not hold water, this immunity claim, Sort of like, what are, the, what are the implications there that the Supreme Court decided to take it up anyway?
2: I, I mean, I'll go you one better. Don't forget when the Colorado case was argued, when Anderson was argued at the Supreme Court, the court didn't want to touch the question of the insurrection and Donald Trump's responsibility for the insurrection and in fact Donald Trump's own lawyer was like yeah that was super bad right so we don't we don't even have a court that wants to touch the merits of you know how bad january 6th was and i would add to that you know the american public has seen uh, you know the january 6th commission has seen uh, uh, the impeachment trial they have seen uh, you know, two Egene Carroll verdicts. they have seen uh, a verdict uh, in New York in the Trump, uh, financial misconduct case. There is a pile of unrefuted evidence, including the finding at the Colorado Supreme Court that Donald Trump insurrected. All that stuff has not been touched as best as I can see by the U.S. Supreme Court. I'm not confident they want to touch it. And just to Neil's point, I think it's really important to understand when you get to the merits When you get past all the sort of shell games about timing and the court feeling it needs to weigh in on this, it couldn't do a summary of we've still not had a single signal from the US Supreme Court that that per curiam opinion, that three judge opinion that came out of the DC circuit is anything but bulletproof. I think it's still bulletproof. I think we're just trying to figure out how to get there.
0: All I have to say is maybe the Supreme Court judges, justices should look at how Judge Ngoron, how Judge Kaplan, how Judge Marchand has handled their cases here in New York where we get things done when it comes to holding people accountable. Not saying, just saying. Neil Katyal and Dahlia Lithwick, thank you both for joining me tonight. Really appreciate it. We have lots more ahead this evening, including the breaking news that an Illinois judge has disqualified Donald Trump from the 2024 presidential ballot over his actions on January 6th. Supreme Court, over to you. But first, more on this stunning decision by the Supreme Court to entertain Donald Trump's immunity claims. Which justices wanted to hear this case? That's coming up next.
1: The full video podcast is no longer available, but The Rachel Maddow Show still is. Check out the full episode audio podcast or watch the show online anytime at now.msnbc.com.